with me, Leo, and Emily. Hello. And each episode will tell you a story from around the world and share some fun and silly things with you. So today we have two stories for you. One from us and one from our special guest storyteller, the lovely Liz Weir. Isn't that exciting, Leo? Yeah, I can't wait. But before that, we have some shout-outs, don't we, Emily? We do. We've got some shout-outs for you guys. Who have we got, Leo? Well, firstly, we have Poppy and Mila, long-time listeners. Hi, Pops. Hi, Pops. Hi, Hi Mila. Mila. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Next, we have a shout-out to Wilfred. Ellen and Amy at Gillespie. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Great to see you earlier this week. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. And finally, we'd like to give a shout-out to Sophie and Ziggy in France. Bonjour, Bonjour guys. guys. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Well, that was great, Leo. And remember, if you would like a shout-out, you can either let us know in the Dragonfly Tales Facebook group or you can email us, and I'll put the details in the episode notes. So, Emily, what's our first story today? Well, Leo, our first story is told by our guest teller. Her name is Liz Weir, and she's from Northern Ireland. I love Liz. We saw her at the Glens Festival. We did. Now, Liz is a storyteller and a writer, and she's been telling stories for over 40 years. Whoa. I know. Liz has told stories all over the world, and she teaches storytelling too. But she loves telling stories that capture the beauty of where she lives in the glens of Antrim. It's a very magical place, isn't it, Leo? Yeah, I love going there. Beaches and forests and fairies. Yeah, that's right. So would you like to hear Liz's story? Absolutely. This is such a treat for us. Here is Liz Weir telling The Mermaid's Gift. My name's Liz, and I'd like to tell you a story that comes from Ireland. Long ago, two girls lived by the seaside. They loved to play in the rock pools. They liked to paddle on the sea. One was called Mary, and the other girl was called Bridget. Now, Mary was a very well-behaved girl. She always did what she was told. If her mummy said, come home at four, she'd be home at ten to four. If her mummy said, wear your pink dress, she'd wear a pink dress. But her friend Bridget was quite different. If her mummy said come in at four, she might come in at 4.30. If her mummy said wear your pink dress, she would wear her green dress. That's just the way they were and yet they were still best friends. But Mary was always getting into trouble because of Bridget. So one day, when they were playing down on the shore, Mary looked up and said, look, it's getting dark, we have to go home now. No, I don't want to go yet. Come on, I'm not going to get into trouble over you. And the two girls started to climb up the path from the beach. All of a sudden, Mary stopped and said, Shh, can you hear it? Hear what? Thought we were in a hurry. Listen. And they both stopped and heard the most beautiful singing. And creeping quietly, Mary peered between two rocks and saw a lovely lady sitting on a big flat rock. She had hair the colour of the sea. Her dress was all blues and greens and greys. She had seaweed planted into her hair. And when they looked to their amazement, they saw she had a tail, for this was a mermaid. You have a lovely voice, so you have, said Mary. Oh, 
The mermaid jumped. She wasn't used to people talking to her. You have, said Bridget. Thank you, said the mermaid. And when she saw that they meant her no harm, she continued to sing. A long, sad song of the sea, all about shipwreck. And then she sang a happy song about rescue. And as she sang, the sun went down and the girls noticed something glittering in her lap. Pearls, rubies, diamonds, emeralds, all the treasures of the sea. The mermaid said, Girls, it's time you were going home, but I'd like to give you each a gift. And she took two silver spun thread bags and into each she put pearls, rubies, diamonds, emeralds, reached one to Mary. Pearls, rubies, diamonds, emerald, one to Bridget. She said, now girls, these gifts must be shared with your whole family. Don't stop on the way home. Wait until you're home before you open them. Thank you, said Mary. Yeah, thanks, said Bridget. And the two of them said goodbye and headed home. Halfway home, Bridget stopped. There's nothing in this bag. This bag feels empty. Look, said Mary. Come on, she said we weren't to stop. Open your bag. I'm not going to open it. I'm going to open mine. She said not to. And Bridget tipped up her bag. And out came a stream of silver sand. Huh, told you it was a trick. Open your bag. Do you think Mary did? Oh, no. She ran for home. She ran into the house. And there in the kitchen was her mummy, her granny, her big sister and her little brother. Their father was a fisherman. He was out at sea. And she tipped up the bag and out came pearls, rubies, diamonds, emeralds. And she explained the story, the way the mermaid had told her to share what was in the bag. So they decided to buy a new fishing boat for her daddy and his brothers. And then they bought a restaurant high up in the cliff top where they sold all the beautiful seafood the fishermen caught. And they called that restaurant The Mermaid's Gift, for that was what it had been. So did you like Liz's story, Leo? Yeah, I thought it was amazing. It was, wasn't it? What was your favourite bit? My favourite bit is how Mary was patient and got rewarded. Yeah, that was good, wasn't it? Yeah. And if you'd like to hear more of Liz's stories, you can visit her website. And she's also written two wonderful books that you can buy. And I'll put all the links in the episode notes. And remember, if you would like to be a guest teller on the podcast, simply get in touch on our Facebook group or you can email us. Now you're going to tell us a story, aren't you, Emily? I am, with your help, Leo. This is a very famous fairy tale by Mr Hans Christian Andersen. He wrote many of the classic fairy tales I read when I was younger. I think you did too. Do you know some? Didn't he write The Little Mermaid? He did. And The Ugly Duckling? Uh Uh-huh. And The Tinderbox? And The Tinderbox. And this one is called The Wild Swans. How do you think we should start this story? I think we should start the way Mr Anderson starts. Far away where the swallows fly in winter. Excellent. Far away where the swallows fly in winter lived a king and queen who had eleven sons and one daughter. The daughter's name was Eliza. Twelve children! That's a lot! It is quite a lot of children, isn't it? 
And you know what? They were so happy together. It seemed as if their happiness would never end. But one day it did. The queen, their mother, died. <gasps> and all the children had left of her were memories of her warm smile and the lullabies she used to sing them. But at least they still had each other. Yeah. Now, as often happens, the king married again. And this time, he chose a wicked queen, a sorceress of great power. A dark stepmother. Exactly. She hated the children because they were so happy. And every year that passed, she watched with poisonous jealousy as the princes grew strong and good and Eliza grew brave and beautiful. The wicked queen could not bear to have those children near her. So she sent little Eliza away to live with peasants and told the king that Eliza had run away. That's terrible. It is, isn't it? Now for the princes. She summoned the eleven boys to her chamber and cast a spell on each of them. May you fly from here as shrieking crows and never, ever return. But her magic did not quite work. Phew. She could not make them ugly as she wished. And instead, they were turned into eleven beautiful wild swans. They gave a strange cry, beat their mighty wings and flew away from their palace over the forest toward the sea. That stepmother is really evil. Isn't she? Well, the years passed and Eliza grew up and when she was 15, she returned to the palace to see her beloved father. But when the queen saw how beautiful she had become. She was full of spite and hatred towards Eliza. She would have transformed her into a swan right then and there, but the queen knew the king wished to see his long-lost daughter. So she came up with another plan. The wicked queen took Eliza to have a bath. Secretly, she slipped three ugly, enchanted toads into the bath water. Ugh. One toad to sit on her head so she becomes stupid. Another take its place on her face so she becomes ugly. Yuck, yuck. The last toad sit on her heart and fill her up with evil. <laughs> Next she called Eliza helped her to undress and told her to get into the bath. The toads climbed up onto Eliza's body, <gasps> but like her brothers, she was too good and innocent, so the queen's magic failed again. Phew! In a fury, the queen smeared Eliza with stinking ointment. She dirtied her face and tangled up her hair, and then she dressed Eliza in rags. Until... The daughter was unrecognisable. When the king saw Eliza, he was horrified. This, this creature is not my daughter. Get her out of here. Get her out of my sight. 
Eliza ran from the palace in tears, the sound of the Queen's triumphant laughter ringing in her head. <laughs> Poor Eliza, where is she going to go? Where is she going to go? And where are her brothers? She has no idea what's happened to them and no idea what the awful Queen has done to them. But Eliza resolved to search and search the whole land until she found them. She walked and walked for days, over fields and moors, through valleys and forests. She slept in hollow trees and on mossy banks. And she asked everyone she met if they had seen eleven young princes. But of course, nobody had. Why was that? Because the eleven princes had turned into swans. Exactly. Except one day, Eliza asked an old woman walking in the woods. Please, excuse me, have you seen my brothers? I have eleven. I cannot find them anywhere. Eleven, you say? Mm, eleven. Uh, no, 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 not boys. Birds, mind. <laughs> I've seen eleven birds. Big, beautiful they were, big swans. Floating down the river there, out toward the sea. Uh, now, if you don't mind me saying, I think you could do with a wash in the river, my girl. Eliza looked at her face in the river and realised how dirty she was. She washed away the Queen's muck and saw her own face reflected back to her in the water. I will find them, she whispered to her reflection. And she set off, following the river all the way to the sea. When she got to the seashore, she gasped at how huge the ocean was. Do you think she's ever seen the sea before? Probably not. You didn't go very far in those days. That's true. You didn't travel very far from your home. Just then, she heard the sound of wings beating. So she hid herself behind a bush and watched as eleven beautiful swans landed on the seashore quite close to her and flapped their great white wings. The sun dipped down beneath the watery horizon and Eliza saw the feathers fall away from <gasps> each bird to reveal... The princes! The princes in human form. They were older, but she knew them anywhere. She ran to them and sprang into their arms, crying with joy and calling them each by name. The princes were overjoyed to be reunited with their sister. Eliza, it's you. How grown you are. Where have you been, sister? They laughed together and wept together and soon understood how wicked the queen had been to them all. Let's go at once, said Eliza, and tell our father, the king, how wicked she is. Eliza, we can't. The queen's magic is strong indeed. We live across the sea in a beautiful land. We can only come here once a year for eleven days. By day we are swans and we must beware the hunters. And by night we are human and must have our feet on dry land. We only come here each year to look for you, dear sister. And we found you. Will you not come across the sea with us? We can all carry you if we make some sort of net. Yes, said Eliza, yes, take me with you. 
and they spent the whole night weaving a large strong net from willow and rushes and leftover bits of fishing net. Eliza laid herself down on the net and as the sun rose sparkling across the sea, the princess disappeared under feathers and became wild swans once more. They took up the net with their beaks and flew up to the clouds with their dear sleeping sister and soared out over the sea. They were far from the land when Eliza woke to the sound of mighty wings beating the air. The swans had been flying across the sea all day, but carrying Eliza had made them tired. They flew more slowly. And now the sun was going down. Oh no, they're going to turn back into princes soon. And what will happen? They'll fall. Eliza's head trembled. What were they to do? She looked down below at the sea and caught sight of a small rock jutting out of the waves, the only bit of land for miles. The swans dived down towards it, and the moment their feet touched the rock, the feathers melted away and they became human. There was just enough room for the twelve of them on that rock, and they clung to each other so tightly as the waves roared and the sky flashed and a storm raged all night long. I hope they don't get washed off the rock. By morning, the sea had died down and the eleven swans, carrying their sister, flew on to their new homeland with its blue mountains and cedar forests. They set Eliza down near a warm cave. She stroked each of her brother's heads and sang them the lullaby she remembered from her mother. Sleep time, my love In the arms of the velvet night Sleep time brothers slept peacefully that night 
but Eliza had terrible dreams. She dreamt she herself was a great wild swan beating her huge wings in the sky, flying after her brothers. She could hear the evil laughter of the queen <laughs> and felt a huntsman's arrow pierce her feathered breast so that she tumbled out of the sky, falling down, 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 down. Eliza woke up and she was alone in the cave. It was morning. The boys had become swans and had flown off to find food. She feared for them so. What if the huntsman's arrow should strike one of them? If only there was a way to break this awful spell. If only. Just then, Eliza heard a voice. Hello in there. There was an old woman standing outside the cave with a basket on her arm. She looked very much like the old woman from Eliza's own kingdom. Oh, I beg your pardon, miss. I was looking for those young swans. I've some bread here for them. It's you, said Eliza. You, you, you told me where to find them. My brothers. Oh, brothers? Oh, no, I uh, don't know what you mean, lass. Uh, we've never met before. Please, said Eliza. You are an enchantress, are you not? Uh, well, I um, I prefer a wise woman, and uh, and don't be telling no one. Please, there must be a way to break the spell and change them back. The old woman looked at Eliza with her kind old eyes. She smiled sadly. Oh, your brothers, they can be released, but this is dark magic indeed. You will need all your courage, and you will suffer pain. I will do anything for them, said Eliza. Very well, child. Do you see the stinging nettle in my basket? It grows upon the graves in the churchyard. You must gather nettles with your bare hands, <laughs> even if they burn and blister. Ow! Break them into pieces and trample them with your bare feet. Eek. And they will become flax. Then you must spin and weave the flax into eleven nettle shirts. Then throw them over the eleven swans and the spell will be broken and they will be human once more. I can do that, said Eliza. I can bear the pain for my brothers. Wow, she's so brave. There's more, said the old woman. From the moment you grasp your first nettle until the last shirt is put on, you cannot speak one word. If you do, your word will pierce through your brothers' hearts like a dagger and they'll die. You mean she can't speak one word? Not one word. That's really unfair. Yeah, that'd be quite difficult for you as well, wouldn't it, Leah? Uh, maybe. Eliza nodded that she understood and she began to walk towards the graveyard. Good luck, Eliza, called the old woman. And she was gone. 
When Eliza reached the graveyard, she began tearing up stinging nettles, which burnt great blisters on her hands and on her arms, but she didn't even look at them. And when her arms were full of those cruel nettles, she went back to the cave and began to trample and bruise them with her bare feet to make flax. At sunset, her brothers returned home to find her spinning the thread for the shirts. They were frightened when she would not speak to them. They thought it was some kind of new sorcery from their wicked stepmother. But when they saw her hands and her feet, they understood and wept for her sacrifice. Their tears fell on her burning blisters and made the pain go away. Eliza worked all through the night, trampling and spinning, and all through the day, tearing up nettles from the graveyard. And one day, while she was picking nettles, a huntsman's dog came bounding over to her. She turned to look where it had come from and spied a handsome man on a horse. It was the king of the land, and he had never seen a more strange and beautiful maiden. How did you come here, my lady? he asked. But Eliza shook her head. She dared not speak at the cost of her brother's lives, and she hid her hands under her apron so that the king would not see her blisters. Come, he said, you cannot stay here. You look tired and hungry. Come back to my palace and, and I shall give you fine food and, and fine clothes, yes? Eliza began to back away. She just had time to grab her basket with the shirts and the flax before the king ordered his men to place Eliza on a horse and take her to the palace. Thank goodness she got the shirts. The king led her to the palace through marble halls where large fountains tinkled and where the walls and the ceilings were covered with rich paintings. But Eliza saw none of this. She could only weep for her brothers. The king ordered fine dresses for her and gave her a beautiful room in the palace. He even got her a spinning wheel and placed it in the room so that she could continue her spinning and her weaving. I think the king sounds quite nice. Eliza thought so too. When she saw the gift, she leapt with joy and kissed the king's hand. If only she could tell him. If only she could speak to him. But she knew that was impossible. She must stay silent. The king by now was very much in love with this mysterious young girl and he wished to make her queen. His chief advisers, though, did not approve. Who was she? Where did she come from? Why did she not speak and answer their questions? Eliza sat in her chamber silently each night and made the shirts for her brothers. She'd finished ten of them and was about to start the eleventh shirt when she realised something. <gasps> Has she run out of nettles? She had run out of nettles. What was she to do? She had to finish the shirt. So by the light of the full moon, she crept from the palace and headed back to the graveyard. One of the king's advisers saw her uh -oh. slip out of the palace gates. 
and summoned the king. They followed Eliza to the graveyard and watched in horror as she ripped up stinging nettles with her bare hands. You see, your majesty, all is not right with your queen-to-be. She's clearly a witch and has bewitched you, sire. She wants these nettles for potions and poisons. No, said the king, no, it is not so. Eliza is innocent. If only she would tell us what she's doing. Sire, said the adviser, you must see reason. She must be condemned. You as the king cannot permit this witchcraft. And so Eliza was arrested and taken by soldiers, thrown into a dank dungeon with her bundle of shirts. And there she sat, and there she spun, and weaved the eleventh shirt. Poor Eliza, what are they going to do to her? Well, what do you think they used to do to witches in the old days? Are they going to burn her? They're going to burn her. The king visited her at nightfall and begged her to speak. Tomorrow they will burn you at the stake as a witch. Please, Eliza, I beg you, tell me why you do all this and I will stop them. But Eliza could do nothing but remain silent. She smiled sadly at the king and tears rolled down her cheeks. She lowered her head and continued to work on the shirt. When the king had gone, she noticed something soft and white float down to the small barred window of her cell. It was a type of feather. A swan feather, which means her brothers are near. Her brothers are near. At dawn, people came streaming into the city gates to see the witch burnt. Eliza sat in the prison cart as it rocked and rolled towards the bonfire, but her fingers still worked at the green flax. Even on the way to death, she would not give up her task. The ten green shirts lay at her feet, and she worked hard on finishing the eleventh, while the crowd jeered and booed. Burn the witch! Burn the witch! Death to the witch! Burn the witch! Kill her! Death to the witch! She was led to the stake, still clutching the eleven shirts, and just as the executioner was about to light the bonfire... <gasps> oh no! The sound of beating wings was everywhere. The crowd looked up and gasped as eleven huge swans flew down toward their sister and landed in a circle all around her. Eliza hastily threw the eleven shirts over the swans and they immediately transformed into eleven handsome princes. Woohoo! She did it! Now, said Eliza, may I speak? For I am innocent! Yes, she's innocent! cried her brothers. Eliza and her brothers were brought before the king. And they told him everything that had come to pass about their father, who was also a king, the evil queen's magic, the banishment of Eliza, and the task she had to perform to save her brothers. 
The king wept tears of sorrow when he heard her story, and his heart swelled with love for Eliza, who had been so brave and so selfless. Eliza agreed to be his wife, and the kingdom was overjoyed to have such a worthy queen. The church bells rang out far and wide for all to hear. And there was happiness and rejoicing across the land. The End So, Leo, did you like that story? Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. What was your favourite bit? My favourite bit was when Eliza finally found her brothers on the beach and they all hugged each other. Yes, that was lovely when they were all reunited. So that's it for this episode. Thank you to the lovely Liz Weir for joining us. And we'll have another guest teller coming soon. And if you are enjoying our podcast, please, please leave us a review. And if you can, make a little donation on the website to keep us going. And thank Thank you you so much. You have been listening to Dragonfly Tales with Emily and Leah. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and we'll be back with another story soon. But until then... Sleep tight, everyone. In the arms of the Velvet Knight. Bye! Dragonfly Tales podcast is brought to you by Tales from the Dragonfly. Come and follow our Facebook page, Tales from the Dragonfly. Find us on Instagram, at M Dragon Tales and on Twitter at Tales from the DR1. <laughs>